Hey guys, Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors. Remember, Black Friday's coming up, and there's always some times that you have a hard thing finding for somebody, you know, a loved one who loves the woods. Well, guess what? Afflictor's got you covered. They've got a whole line of products, broadheads, apparel, ready for you to give to your loved one who loves the woods. Personally, I love the K2 Hybrid. Put an awesome shot on a deer this year with one, and the cutting power of it was just silly. Check them out online at afflictorbroadheads.com. You're listening to Fueled by the Outdoors podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, tell us what you think in the comment section, and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Drop the Asher. I've never seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. We're going to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's up, guys? And we are back at you again this week with another tale of success. We've been bringing a lot of these to you uh, lately. I think the past, like four out of the past, four out of the past five podcasts, will have been successful deer hunts. Correct? Uh, something like that. Um, we've had we've had some success this year. We uh, I went a couple years with passing deer and i had some bad luck with one deer that i wounded Mm -hmm. um and so now um we're on a killing spree yes yes we are and uh anybody attached to us seems to be as well because we did we did bruce's um as well and he i mean he shot he shot that buck on his property yep so uh we had a fun hunt that night yeah, yeah. So we now have had Josh talk about his buck. We've had you talk about your Ohio buck. We've had Bruce talk about his Kentucky buck. Me talk about my Ohio buck. And now it's just me and you again, which means one of the two of us has killed another buck. So <laughs> law of averages says it's not Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes when you go a little while, um, as we're finding out, um, the law of probability tends to be on your side, but no, I, um, I went to Kentucky and got it done this past weekend. Um, right, you did. It was probably my favorite deer hunt of my life. Uh, so that's we'll it. Yeah. <laughs> well, We'll go ahead and break it down. And it, it's one of those things where I, I compared it to a friend the other day. Some people like skydiving. Some people like roller coasters. I don't like any of that stuff. I don't like giving control to somebody else with my safety. Um, this was more my, uh, I guess, unknown th- way to thrill seek or whatever. But it's mm-hmm. kind of stupid too, but I think people that jump out of a perfectly good plane are dumb. So um, <laughs> I don't think that that's necessarily a genius move. So uh, with that said, I have a spot in Hill Country on public. I actually have private not far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say it's like 185 acres. Like it's a big piece of, well a good size piece of private parcel yeah um that a lot of people would love to have and i'm fortunate enough to uh have permission to hunt it but uh they normally they don't hunt it so he had said that they were hunting it this year and told me i could go down there and just let them know but i just i don't know there's something about hunting somebody else's farm when they're trying to kill a deer I yeah. just, you know, I'll go shoot a doe or something, but I'm not trying to ruin everybody's fun. Um, so, you know, I didn't really feel good about <laughs> hunting Bruce's farm for a buck. I have no problem going and shooting a doe. He's got a million of them, you know, it ain't gonna hurt anything. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when he shot his buck, I was like, well, you know, now, now it's fine. <laughs> we're good. We're good. But, um, <laughs> Again, you know, it, private land to me is just super limited. Um, you're confined by property lines. And when you're trying to set up on deer, 
with uh, wind-based thoughts, uh, mm-hmm. leeward sides of hills, stuff like that. When you're trying to hunt beds. Um, it's it's just not something that you can do very easily on private land, even when you've got one or two hundred acres. Yep. You're still pretty limited. So um, I decided to key in on a place that I'd had some success before. Uh, there's a pretty solid size piece of public down in um, the eastern Appalachian region of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lake there. So there's, you know, that means water access. And with lakes come, you know, creeks and rivers and all that. So it, it adds a lot of opportunity. So I had went down there with a buddy of mine, our fellow teammate, Tyler Sparks in May. And uh, it was right after Turkey season, we scouted and, you know, it wasn't long before that, that I'd uh, shed hunted and postseason scouted with Jake Bush and just really learned things. He kind of opened my eyes. So Mm -hmm. I went down there and wanted to pass it on and share what I'd learned with Tyler and, um, you know, do some scouting for myself. So we went down there. Um, it's, it's like, you know, two, two and a half, two hours and 45 minutes, something like that Yeah, down there. Uh, it's, it's a poke, you know, it's not like, you know, you just shoot out there one evening or something. It's, it's a commitment. So we went down there, we found some beds, uh, found a licking branch that I felt pretty strongly was still being used in May. Like Mm -hmm. maybe that might be an important scrape. It was on the end. It was on the um, west side of a ridge line. It was not in what I would call a hub or anything like that. But I think there's some pretty good southwest wind-based buck bedding, buck bedding. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You know, just on the other side, um, you know, you've got a, let's see, a northeast-facing hill. Mm-hmm. Now that's set up for a southwest wind bedding situation. Yeah. Bedding in the back. So they just pop right up over there, eat their acorns, visit that scrape, work that branch, and go on about their day. So like a moron, I didn't hang a camera on it at all. I didn't have the confidence to really say that's probably a good thing. Like you need to get a camera on it. Instead, I put it on a bed like an idiot. And mm. I am like <clears throat> beyond disappointed in myself for that. So fast forward through the summer, I go out, I scout Nebraska. I scouted the hell out of Ohio. And of course, you know, got three kids, got the expo, got all this stuff going on. So I didn't get to scout Kentucky anymore. Didn't get to scout Indiana at all. Didn't scout any other states, which was kind of depressing because I like to at least have an idea. And um, I really wanted to fill that tag. It was the end of October, uh, talking to Josh and Pierce. Um, I felt like the pressure there was still going to be on the lower side. And... um. I decided to give it a whirl. So we were having an east wind. And what's funny is when me and Tyler went down there, I was bitching and moaning the whole time because I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, I come down here. I want to throw milkweed and wind map and just check things out. And and we have an east wind. Like, I'm never going to have that. I'm not going to come here on an east wind. And I was kind of moping about it. Well, sure enough. This weekend. We've got an east wind. So I'm like, okay, you're an idiot again. You you <laughs> let something rattle you. And rather than just throwing milkweed and figuring things out, you didn't do that. So now you don't even have that knowledge. So that was a big mistake of mine. So, you know, my, my uh, well, that, that's going to be my concluder is to stay focused, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, 
I was just talking about that in the thread a little bit with everybody bitching about the heat. So um, I decided that I was going to hunt all weekend. You know, we'd had like campouts for Halloween and we had all this, you know, all this stuff going on. And finally I had a weekend and I told my wife, I said, man, we've got Colleen's birthday next weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, plant. Like I, I love you guys. I'll see you Monday morning, you know, <laughs> Oh, I'm gone because I've yeah. got to get up super early and then pretty good chance. I'm just going to sleep in my truck down there because to drive back and spend nearly six hours of driving and, Oh, I don't know, a hundred dollars in gas. Why? Yep. So, and then only a little bit of sleep time too. Cause then you're oh, going to get up early the next morning sleep. again yeah. and then you're going to drive straight back down. Yep. So I figured I'd, I'd just sleep in the truck bed or something, you know? So anyway, I had trouble sleeping that Friday night. Uh, Didn't get to sleep till probably 1230 and then got woke up at like one. Uh, One of the kids had a little crying episode and then woke up at 3 a.m. 3 mother freaking a.m. And... Well, let's just say that I damn near talked myself out of going and um, instead going to a closer spot or skip in the morning or, you know, and I'm like, dude, you need to, you need to get your ass out of this bed and get upright and then make a decision. It's the last weekend in October. Yeah. Like it's the last weekend in October. And, you know, I, I mean, I even hate to share this, but, you know, I talked with Pierce a lot. I talk with Pierce a lot, man. He's like my damn dear counselor. But one of the <laughs> things we talked about um, that I totally agree on is that that last weekend in October, people don't utilize it as much. A mm-hmm. lot of times it can still even be warm. <clears throat> and as you can see, all these people bitching and complaining about the heat rather yep. than just going and like staying, coming up with a game plan and staying focused and trying to execute it. They're like, you know, taking selfies of giving the thumbs down and stupid shit during the last hour of daylight. And I'm like, are you dumb? <laughs> it's November, yeah. man. It's freaking November. So um, we figured that that's pretty much the last weekend before pressure just gets insane. And everybody mm-hmm. thinks they have the most pressure in their state. Yeah, Michigan, Pennsylvania, all that. They're high-pressured states, but Come to Ohio during the rut and oh try gosh. to, you know, you're going to come kill a 150, right? Come to Ohio yeah. and come kill your 150 during the rut and tell me that you don't, tell me you don't have the same pressure that you do in your state that has double the public land that we do. Yep. In, and no out of state hunters because nobody wants to travel on purpose to Michigan or you know whatever or Pennsylvania or Wisconsin I know or guys that'll hit PA but like you don't not even close to the amount of people that are traveling to Ohio to come no. kill one fifty because it's no. easy yeah because it's easy and uh, there's big bucks behind every tree and every yeah. state park and everything like that that's always something something that's if if you're if you're an Ohioan, like it, it's something you grow up with is like oh there's people here from New Hampshire, South Carolina, Virginia, and yep. uh, Indiana, Michigan, West Virginia, everywhere yep. around because they yep. all think I'm going to come there and don't get me wrong like you have the opportunity yeah but you better know what the hell you're doing yeah or get really really lucky and yep. most guys in November are coming down and trying to get lucky and that's fine. Right. You know, whatever, but it's not, everybody makes it out to be easy. And then 90% of the people who come here to hunt come here in November. It's like, well, you came here during the time where you're trying to basically win the lottery anyway. So Mm -hmm. when it did work out, well, yeah, it probably was easy. It would be easy for anybody to have a rutting buck stroll by and be out of his mind. So going down a little rabbit hole here, but. Needless to say, um, we figured that the pressure, this this would be the last weekend before the pressure just skyrockets. And that's going to be Kentucky, Indiana, 
you know, all these states are going to have all the pressure. That's when all the hunters yep. pop out. Yep. Um, so I went ahead and got up. I made the coffee, got my breakfast ready, got them Tennessee pride sausage biscuits going in the microwave. Nice. Um, you know, I had the truck packed up and ready to go. All I had to do was get dressed and get my coffee and breakfast and put my boots on. Like, that's it. So mm-hmm. got on the road, was really, really struggling. Started to sip some coffee and then a little more coffee. And then before you knew it, it was pretty much like I'd done cocaine. I was <laughs> through a wall. Like I was, I was freaking jacked. And so, yeah. um, started, you know, going over things in my head and I had, you know, I basically had three amazing features. One topographical feature that puts you in a spot where there's a bunch of saddles and ridges converging. Um, you know, so that's going to put you kind of in a, a high traffic area, probably mm-hmm. give you a chance. And then I had the spot that I'd scouted where, you know, we've got that east wind um, and I could get on the leeward side of the hill. Uh, and then I had another spot where it butted up to some private land ag um, that looked pretty good and had some good things going for it as far as the wind was going. But I hadn't been there, and that's like a three-mile kayak ride in the dark. And when I got to the lake, I'm really glad that I didn't choose the other two because <clears throat> I I pull into this place and I'm the only person in the parking lot. And at first I'm like, <laughs> suckers. And then <laughs> I, I drop down to the lake and I realized that I couldn't see the water because it was so foggy. Yep. It was so foggy that I worried about not having the lens on my headlamp and getting all that moisture in it, which yeah. had that happened by the way, that's something that I didn't even think about until like when I was almost to the other side and right. that light gone out really You've don't screwed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That like that could have been pretty rough at that point. So, um, so I get in my boat, you know, unload all my stuff, pull my truck up, walk down, <clears throat> and I'm sitting here thinking, like, what the hell am I going to do? So I open up my my app and um, use it to navigate, and uh, I got out there and came back twice. Um, I was just scared to freaking death, if I'm being mm-hmm. super honest. I'd flipped my kayak already, almost flipped it numerous occasions. And it's 36 degrees. I'm in a kayak loaded with me and some gear. And I don't even have the luxury of being able to see way out in front of me, the water, anything. So my Mm -hmm. equilibrium, you know, what my sense of balance and awareness and, you know, all that uh, sense of space, it's just, it's all gone. Yeah. So I'm scared. <laughs> now, let's add insult to injury here and bump the breeze up a tad here and there. Yep. And fog starts flying past your face, and it looks like you're doing 60 miles an hour down the highway in a kayak. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, and, you know, maybe there's some deadfall, a stump ahead of me. Maybe there's another boat. Like I have no idea. You know, I was pretty confident there weren't any boats navigating around out there at that time of morning, especially since there was nobody in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. So I shoot across there and hug the side of the bank like a damn bait fish <laughs> with the bait fish. I saw a bunch of bait fish and I said, I know what you guys feel like now. So the other thing is the lake's way down. All the oh, really? all the vegetation way down, feet, like probably six or eight feet down. That's wonderful. Crazy down. So <laughs> all of the vegetation 
that was a couple feet below the surface this spring is, is now on the surface. Like 18 inches on top of the water. Like it's just laying there like a bunch of mop heads or something. So as you're already not able to see, your paddle kind of gets jerked as you try to bring it forward because it's attached to some seaweed, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. The water vegetation. So I finally get back in this cove, go all the way to the end basically and get out. I'm used to getting out in a really good spot where you can just paddle real hard and go right up onto the bank and then get out in a couple inches of water. And here I'm stepping in mud and then sinking down pretty far. And, you know, there's water. I'm like, dude, it's cold. Like I really don't want to start this day off with water filled boots. That'll, I mean, it's little things like that literally are just going to ruin your entire day. Um, yeah. You're not coming back from that all day long. So I got out of that, get my stuff on my back, start hiking up the draw. Um, you know, some people would call it a holler. Uh, and it's funny because again, the thermals are sucking down to the lake mm-hmm. and it just looks like I'm running full speed. And I'm like, <laughs> trying like hell you know at this point i can see better though i'm off the water um i pick a spot to go up the mountain and i had to restart like five times because it was just there was like deadfall and there's just all this stuff everywhere briars and you just couldn't get through it finally i found a good open spot um deer trail and follow it up and it leads like right to the camera there's a rub line up the camera and i thought Oh, baby. (laughs) Get up there. I check the camera and keep in mind, this is the first time I've been here since May. So this is the first card pool. I'm looking and I found three good bucks. um, One of which was at least a 10. That's pretty nice. Mm -hmm. I'd be like crazy ecstatic to kill him. And then um, there was one. Looked like an eight pointer. Uh, but he's probably like 21 inches wide. Like he is pretty wide. Nice. So I'd be pretty jacked to kill him. Then there was another buck. So uh, that looked to be an eight as well. And looked to be like that decent eight. Nothing crazy. A a Kentucky eight pointer is what I'd call it. Yeah. um, I didn't have any intel at all on an antler deer during Kentucky's deer season. The last buck that I had on there was in August. And I thought, really? I thought, damn, you know, like by chance alone, I would think something would walk through here, especially coming into November almost. Mm-hmm. So just wasn't there. So hiked up to the top of the ridge, walked out and um, I, I picked a saddle uh, that it looked like the deer had been coming from. And I thought, well, I'm going to walk that way. So I turned left. You know, I went uh, I went north mm-hmm. on the ridge line, thinking if I get in that saddle and start seeing buck sign, acorns, you know, the whole nine, we're getting up a tree. And I didn't find any acorns or buck sign. And were you going to say something? Yeah. What like what? What time of the morning is this all occurring to? Oh, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. I should add that. So I get up to the camera at what I would call the very first possible light that you can see. So when I get to the top of the mountain, we're probably 15 minutes into daylight. Okay. And so, but... But my theory is, you know, I've, I've developed a new way of thinking this year. And this all, you know, I hate to keep mentioning this dude's name, but you, I mean, you got to tell people how you learn stuff, right? So following this Jake Bush dude, he doesn't just like sit places. No. He doesn't waste his time. It, and, and I think, you know, another guy that's like that, Andy May, like these mm-hmm. guys don't just go sit somewhere they scout until they find what they want or they leave. They're not just chilling. 
So, yeah, they ha- they have traditional spots that might be decent, and they'll put cameras. I mean, Jake Bush has said this multiple times. He'll put cameras there, and if he's not seeing what he needs to see, he will bail on that place, and he will go somewhere else sure. where where he thinks there's better buck sign and ensure yeah. that he has that ability to get there. And when I started hunting in public, I'd just like kind of, you know, I'd find like a little rub or something, and then, oh, mm-hmm. Pretty. This looks like a whole. It's like being a fisherman and rolling up on a bunch of stumps and saying, "Well, here's where they are. Look at all these beautiful stumps." And it's everything you think that a fish should be stacked up on, but mm-hmm. I mean shit. So I told myself, I said, "If it's noon and you haven't found what you want, who gives a damn? Like you keep looking until you find what you want." Mm-hmm. And my goal was to find buck sign. Um, I don't necessarily have to have rubs, but I at least want a good rub line or that magical rub mixed with something else like, you know, acorns or something, bed, mm-hmm. whatever. Or let me get a fresh scrape, you know, the scrape, not just the a scrape. scrape. Yeah. So. I walked out to the end of the ridge almost and uh, everything changed. The oaks changed the, the color of the leaves changed and everything. And I started to get, I just noticed things more now. And I started to get excited mm-hmm. when I saw the difference in the leaf color and ha- just everything, man. And um, I got out there and sure as shit, I started finding bur oaks that were dropping Yep. And I, I tried to walk over <laughs> to where me and Tyler had found that scrape. And as I'm looking, looking at acorns, I'm like, man, I should be getting pretty close. And I look over and I recognized the tree mm-hmm. and I walked towards it and looked under it. And it's like fresh as you could get. It, it looks like a, a turkey dust bowl. Oh, wow. That, that, that big? It's been dug out. <clears throat> so. Um, I said, well, okay, we've got acorns dropping. We've got this scrape that's fresh. I know for a fact that deer are bedding here. I know where the does are bedding. We spooked does on that side of the ridge on an east wind. So I said, Mm -hmm. well, we know there's does on this side. They're going to be here. And I found a tree about 50 yards below that scrape directly in line with it and uh i figured my thermals would go up to it but i didn't think that anything would i didn't think that anything would um come right into the scrape i figured it'd be a little bit using the east wind and i i had a theory in my head and again, I'm I'm still learning all this stuff. And when when the light bulb goes off and then you connect the dots, I mean, I'd imagine it's exactly how Edison felt when he finally got the damn light bulb right. Like there's mm-hmm. literally there's things that I've learned this year that if they continue to pan out, shit's gonna get really dangerous real fast for deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, one of my theories was. We had a dead calm wind, like one mile per hour. So it's, you know, you could hear a pin drop at a hundred yards. Yeah. Barely crawling. Yeah. So, but by 11 noon, it was going to get up to like six miles an hour. Mm. And I thought to myself, you know, if I had to guess, even though it's going to be significantly warmer, I bet that's probably when I'm going to see buck movement and it seems like it's always that way even at the end of october and into november it's that mid-morning that late morning and you know there's theories that they're going from one doe to the other and i'm not going to disagree with that totally but i feel like they move because they've got a consistent wind that they can use to keep safe and cover ground and find another doe so I sat there. I got set up on my one stick. I took my 
EWO Ultimate One Stick. It's got the UP platform on it. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of go over the gear. Uh, rope mod, pretty sure made by Luke Dottel. Um, and I uh, forgot to put my damn lookout step on it. it kind of pisses me off, but um, <laughs> I just stuck it on a tree 50 yards yeah. below. I never climbed. I never once sticked up the tree. I put the stick on the tree, and I stood at seven feet. And I was below that scrape on a really steep hill. And uh, I was sitting there, you know, got everything set up and everything. I had so much stuff with me because I was going to drop, you know, this was, to me, this was like, you know, if we can make it happen, cool. But you're really trying to set yourself up for the first weekend in November. Yeah. And you're going to put some cams up. So I brought two or three cams with me. I had two big ass bottles of water. I sat a bottle of water on the ground under me. I set my cams down there. Got all this gear. Trekking poles are laying on the ground. So <laughs> um, it looked like a damn roads, rivers, and trails threw <laughs> up on the ground or something below me. So to say, it make, did it make it look like a camp store underneath your? Yeah, your literally, <laughs> literally, it was like an REI or something. So um, I sat there. I mean, I probably got set up by. I don't know, eight o'clock. I mean, it was broad daylight after sunrise and everything. Gorgeous walk in, look down at the lake and see what I kayaked through and thought, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) What a moron. Um, Keeping in mind, too, for those that aren't aware of the full situation, there's no cell reception either here. You're not getting cell reception on the lake or, you know, 50 yards over the hill even so get set up around eight could have been eight fifteen. sitting there not seeing anything here in acorns just rain squirrels are driving me batshit crazy and <clears throat> i noticed something and it was one of the cooler moments I see that I'm starting to see this more and more. It's kind of like a thermal switch in the evening when Mm -hmm. the, when the thermals start to drop and you can feel the wind turn from going uphill to sucking downhill, sucking downhill. Yep. And then you start seeing deer It you piece it together and you realize, you know, you're, I'm not saying it won't happen, <clears throat> but it's almost like you're wasting your time being in a tree until 20 minutes before that, which goes to show me too, why I've killed so many deer when I got set up at five and I killed the damn thing at five Oh five, like just uh, after the time change, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because, you know, they weren't moving yet. They, they don't feel safe. They can't use their nose and they can't use their nose to find a girlfriend. So, right. I noticed the leaves on the oaks start to tremble a little bit Mm -hmm. and you could kind of hear them just a little bit. This was around 10 o'clock. I would say probably nine 50, maybe 10 minutes later is when I saw my first deer and there were, what was it? I think it was, uh, I want to say there were three bucks pushing a little doe around, like harassing a baby doe or something. Mm -hmm. So I thought, that's pretty damn cool, you know? Okay. So about 20, 25 minutes goes by, and I notice the wind picks up just a little more. And keep in mind... We're going from one mile an hour to three. And now we're probably at like between four and five miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And I look down and just happen to catch movement. And all, I mean, immediately I said, that's got to be a buck. He's moving quick, you know, like he's just using his nose. He doesn't care because he's using his nose. Sure enough, he looks like he's coming to me. And it's a good buck. I thought, oh, my God, no way. And then all of a sudden, he just walks out of my life. And I thought, 
whatever, you know. There's nothing worse than having an encounter and it not working out to where it's like close enough to get a shot, even if you didn't get the shot. Mm-hmm. But there's, it's like a turkey that gobbles and won't cooperate or something. It just pisses you off. So he walks on and I got to thinking, I thought, you know, maybe he comes back or something. And um, that was about 10 o'clock or excuse me, uh, 1030. Mm-hmm. And, um, it got to be 1055, 11. And I just happened to look out to the end of the ridge at like, we'll call it 90 to a hundred yards, maybe. And I catch movement. It's a deer. And I saw that it was a buck. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty good buck. That might be the one I saw. And he's coming between me and the scrape and favoring coming closer to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to get the damn gimbal and cell phone ready and I get it, you know, recording or whatever. I didn't get it recording. I got everything like turned on and ready to go. And I tried to get it under my bridge to swing it around because this was going to be a weak side, my right side. I'm facing Mm -hmm. the end of the ridge, uphill on my right, downhill on my left. And I try to get it under the bridge. And it's wasn't happening. I had it just a little too high and there was nothing I could do. I said, well, I'm shooting this deer. Um, We can still make a story. I'm just not going to get to show the kill shot. If you're looking for an affordable technical gear style clothing that performs well, that cuts weight from your clothing, but not from your wallet, check out Huntworth. Whether you're hunting early season in Nebraska, mid-season in Ohio, or late season in Iowa, Huntworth has a system to keep you comfortable and focused on your hunt. With early season fast approaching, we highly recommend checking out the Durham Lightweight Hunting Pants and the Midweight Shelton Hoodie. These items paired with an appropriate base layer will perform at a high level in multiple early season conditions in fishing and hunting. So we've been on the search for a new broadhead this year, and after doing some research and kind of looking around, we found this company called Afflictor Broadheads. We got our hands on some of the heads this summer to test out, and guys, I got to tell you, I believe that this head will be in our quiver this fall. Each and every broadhead is hand-assembled in their Texas facility by people who truly care about your experience. This year, I'll be shooting the K2 Mini and the K2 Hybrid. And I got to tell you, I'm absolutely loving them. They fly great, they're extremely durable, and the penetration is just deadly. I can't express it enough. I also love the practice pin feature these guys came out with. So far, I'm really really impressed to learn more for yourself check them out at afflictorbroadheads.com he comes to 12 yards Gah. 12 yards he's uphill slightly of me and last year's buck i had a weak side shot and i basically had to go at a 45 degree angle giving myself to god hanging from the tree, uh, I stood on my tiptoes, and um, I basically just hung from my tether, pointed straight away from the tree at a 45-degree angle to take that weak side shot. And this time, that wasn't going to work because I kind of had to sort of lean uphill and adjust the way gravity was working against me it just wasn't working so right i literally spun to my right and stepped off my platform and hung from my saddle not touching anything but my left side like my left part of my butt and back um was touching the tree like the lower part of my back Mm -hmm. side was up against the tree and i get my bow up and as i go to draw I tried to stop him and I battled a cold all week long and I was struggling a good bit too. You you really don't think about how tough it is to draw your bow 
without legs, well, now you're not even sitting on something that's stationary. Mm -hmm. Like you're just kind of free hanging there and trying to draw your bow. So that, that was tricky. Now you take all your leverage away. Oh, it's all gone. Now try to do that and stop a deer. So rather than go like that, I went like that. (laughs) And the deer stopped. Like it was kind of funny because you could kind of see the look on his face. He's like, what was that? And he's looking everywhere. I'm seven feet up. I'm below this deer in wide open timber. I could hurt him with a blowgun right now. Um, Probably kill him with a blowgun. And he has no idea that I'm there. And I'm, you know, it it blew my mind that he never looked at me. So I, and, and this is while I'm draw, I stopped him before I got my bow back. Like I was in the middle of drawing, I get Mm -hmm. my bow back and I'm trying to get the pin up on him and trying to aim uphill is another thing that can be tough while standing up, hang from a saddle, not not having your feet on a platform or anything and try it sometime. It's freaking tough. So I it bet. took an eternity to get this pin up. And as soon as it got there and it settled, I ripped it and I watched the arrow just disappear into his cavity, like right where you'd want it to go. And immediate, I just hung my bow up and said, you're, you're freaking toast, dude. Uh, <laughs> he ran up the hill and you always know when they start to run, like he ran to my right and went mm-hmm. up the hill and then came back left. And right then I said, yeah, you're doing that death circle, man. You're, you're a dead deer walking. So I sat there for a little bit. I texted with you guys, screamed a little bit, did an interview, a couple of interviews and filmed some stuff. And I just sat there and soaked it in for a little bit. Uh, it was kind of surreal, really cool. And again, this is, you know, this is 120 inch deer. It's not, it's not anything huge, but a lot of people would kill to kill a 120 inch deer on a private land parcel over corn, let alone kayak in the middle of nowhere in a freaking wilderness and (laughs) shoot one on a mountain. So, you know, through the um, fog, you know, I, I don't condone just anybody shooting little deer or whatever. Like if that's what makes you happy, cool, but that's not, I'm not trying to promote you know, the, the killing of whatever deer moves, but there's something to be said for an experience and a pretty decent buck. Like to me, that's what I'm trying to go for. Um, here in Ohio, you know, and I I think a lot of people will see next year, I'm going to hold myself to a lot higher standard than I did this year, but I just wanted to have some fun and get it out of my system and play and learn and all that. So that's what we're doing. But anyway, it's like 120 inch deer. I thought he would, I'll be honest. Thought he thought I was shooting like 135 inch deer. <laughs> the, like, the, when you sent the pics, I'm sitting there looking, I'm like, that's a really, I, I mean, I yeah. thought, I thought it was a lot bigger deer than uh, 120 <laughs> inches. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, but <laughs> had them long he, fingers going. <laughs> yeah. Right. He, he, um, he looked a lot wider to me. That's what mm-hmm. really got me. But I think it was the fact that his tines and his beams curled the way that they did. Mm-hmm. He's got really good beams, uh, you know, and, and, you know, maybe I'm crazy and it's a mature buck. I think he was a three-year-old deer. I hear people talk all the time about how mountain deer are smaller. I struggle with buying into it myself. Um, you know, people are like, well, all they got is acorns. And I'm like, well, that's, what God intended them to eat. Like they're just fine. There's you ever been in hill country? There's a shit. There's acorns. There's huck there's honeysuckle. There's uh, I mean there's greenbrier. There's persimmon. I mean there's all kind of honey locust pots. Like there's yeah they eat plenty well. I think the thing that people uh say like oh they there's they're small is they're thinking of like big fat freaking deer that are eating corn and soybeans all day and yeah. then when you pull the hide off of them they got fat caps over their tenderloins yeah um, or their back straps you know it, it, there's there's a reality that 
yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, the, the, those, those hill country deer are every bit as big, if not bigger sometimes, because they can go and just sit and not have to do anything. And they can just go, they don't have to be running all over the place away from people. Yeah. Like the, their, their life is one in a lot of ways of just kind of solitude because they're not getting harassed by things. Yeah. Um, I agree. So after I got done soaking it in, I got down and tried to adult as much as I could. I got all my stuff together, went over, looked, found blood immediately. Blood was, was good. Um, I did not get a full pass through. Um, I hit the offside leg and that stopped me at first. I was disappointed because I was like, you know, how the hell did my arrow not make it through that deer? Mm-hmm. It's 12 yards. Like, come on. Um, I keep hitting all these damn bones, man. I hit that shoulder in Ohio. I yep. hit the shoulder on the doe in Kentucky. And now I hit this one's offside leg, but I found that out after I found him. Um, so I follow the blood trail up the hill and then, you know, I, I started to look around for blood and then saw him. He had fall, you know, he went, I don't know, 40 or 50 yards over the hill and nice died, probably fell half of that. So slid or whatever, cause it, it's steep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so drug him up to the top of the hill where it wasn't you know, covered in briars and stickers and all that was in a good, clear workspace. Got some pictures, did some more interviews, all that, uh, communicated with you guys and the wife and everything. And, um, then I went to work. And, uh, so I recovered the deer before noon and, uh, started working on him around noon and it took a long time to get him cut up, caped out, all that, mm-hmm. and I started heading off the mountain at like I want to say it was like four o'clock. That's and a long time getting everything done and ready. Yeah, it it well, mm-hmm. I was one of the things that took a while. I was filming a tutorial okay. on how to cut one up in the back country. Good so, call, and. I don't feel like it's terrible. I might use it, but I did forget a couple of parts. Like I couldn't film how to pack it up because you have to have two hands. Yeah. (laughs) And I just didn't, I didn't have like a good angle for that. So it's something that I'm going to have to play with and do with another deer or just redo it all, you know, with Mm -hmm. Josh or you or somebody there. Um, But anyway, My pack weighed every bit of a hundred pounds. Um, Jeez. If, if it wasn't a hundred, it was like 98 or 104 or so. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like is heavy. I, and, and to preface this, if you put a hundred pounds of corn in that pack, I can pick it up and manhandle it. No problem. But if you put a hundred pounds of gear and meat, and cape and head antlers man it just feels heavier it 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 sits differently yep it's so different man so i had to lug the pack to probably a three three and a half foot in diameter oak tree that had fallen over and i heaved it up on top of it and then was able to get the straps over my shoulders put the waist belt on chest strap started Mm -hmm. hiking out the ridge worked my way down a secondary ridge and then came to a drop off that i didn't know about where basically like you could make it down if you're not loaded down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with and i had trekking poles that saved my ass um and i thought oh i'll just take the meat out and toss it and it'll roll down the hill and i'll be good in the game bag well, what actually happened is it stopped <laughs> way down, and then I looked, and the meat, uh, the game bag was shredded. It had like an eight-inch hole. Oh, you no. You can't throw it again because then that meat's going to get dirty, and 
the hole's going to get worse, and then you could start losing meat. And if mm -hmm. you have this game bag, if you ruin the game bag, then you're going to make a bunch of trips or just start shoving meat inside your pack rather than hauling it in the meat shelf. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. So I left the meat there, took my gear, the cape, and the head to the kayak, loaded it up, keeping in mind that this is not like a a short hike. Mm -hmm. I crazy long at this point, but you're you're looking at like 20 or 30 minutes to get down to the kayak, then come back. And so I told my wife I'd probably be home at dinner or just before. <laughs> after, I mean, was, you know, I figured I'd be home at like 6 30, 7 o'clock at the latest. I got back up there, got the meat, put it on the kayak, got everything loaded up, and got out of there and was kayaking out at last light. And I got to my truck at 7 22 p.m. Jeez, man. I recovered that deer before noon and I was at my truck and rolling out at 7.22. Well, I had backed my truck up at 7.22. So mm -hmm. I'm like, holy shit. This is crazy. Which means so that you still didn't get home till like 9.30, 10 o'clock. It was 9.50 yeah. when I got home, basically. Um, and I flew. I just wanted to get the hell home. Mm -hmm. um, it was crazy. You know, I was scared to death because now I've got all this meat and head and everything on my kayak, and that's making it that much more susceptible to flipping. I'm in a big, deep lake. It's still cold. I don't want to lose my gear. I don't want to lose my deer. I don't want to have to have somebody come rescue me. Oh, by the way, there's still no cell phone reception down on that lake. Like, I can communicate on top of a mountain. Once I get over the side, it's gone. No dice. So, and then, you know, everybody else is starting to worry, which I kind of wondered, you know, I thought, man, I really need to get back to reception so I can tell people like, hey, you I'm know, okay. I'm alive. We're good. You know, it just took longer than I thought. And uh, I, as I'm pulling out, my wife starts calling me and then I can't talk to her. I tried to answer, didn't work out. And then I start, you know, every once in a while I get a text, like, Chris, are you all right? Anybody heard from Chris and all this? And I's like, shit, you know, <laughs> nothing's going through. So I'm like, awesome. And then I finally reached service and was able to let people know like, Hey, I'm alive. So that prompted my new purchase that I'm looking at now. I was going to say, <laughs> The Garmin InReach Messenger, uh, I am able to at least check in with people. Uh, I can send a text message. So um, that works out. But yeah, uh, overall, really, really cool experience. Um, so cool to be tagged out in Kentucky. You know, again, I'm no professional or giant killer or anything, but I'm still learning, but it's been really cool to pay attention to things in a different way this year and just learn. And, uh, man, next year is going to be sick. But we're not done yet. We got Indiana. Nope. We're going for the hat trick. Um, I've got a spot picked out that looks like a mega bitch to get to, so it should be good as long as – nobody's blown it out or anything from a, a private land standpoint. Um, water access as well. Water access. Uh, you can only get to it by water. You can't get to it from a trail road, anything, uh, period. So, Jeez. um, that's, that's what, you know, I was, I'm scouting Indiana and scouting and scouting and scouting. And I just thought, man, there is access everywhere. And this is stupid. Um, but that's what you, you know, you look here in Ohio, you look at, you look at all these places and these state forests and these WMAs, they all are the same, man. There's access everywhere. Every once in a while you find spots that are just yep. tough to get to. And here in Ohio, you don't have anything like that. A lot of times it's like, well, this is like the farthest spot from any of the access, you know, from any parking lot or whatever. 
And generally that tends to be where we get on stuff. But um, this place, you literally can only access it by helicopter or uh, some form of watercraft. So nice. Um, and it's, it, you can't take like a speedboat here or anything like your kayak in or, you know, maybe a little tiny John boat or something if you're lucky. But um, so I'm going to go there Saturday actually and scout it out, see how much water's in the river, what kind of flow we're looking at, pressure, all that. It's pretty far. Uh, we're looking at almost a three hour drive again. Um, yeah. So, but Hey, if I, if I can go in there in a couple of weekends mm-hmm. and put a buck down worth it. You know? Well, I mean, realistically, when you, <laughs> when you consider this, uh, you had two bucks dead in, uh, before the end of October. Like, yeah. Not, not a lot of people can say that. You're you're not you don't have to worry about gun season in Ohio. You don't have to worry about gun season in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, at least for bucks, you you are you are fairly well set in being able to uh, go to Indiana. Hell, if you didn't have three kids and didn't and you could take time oh. off, you could go back out to Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, you are not shitting me there, dude. I've thought about that a million times. Like, if I luck up. And God smiles on me again, and I kill one Sunday because I can't hunt Saturday. I can only scout because I wouldn't have enough time to even, you know, even if I killed one, I wouldn't be able to get it out because my daughter's birthday is that day. So I got to be back by like 1230. So I can only scout, and I'm going to do so with a drone and some binos, and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not looking, you know, for all the people that, are like, you can't scout deer with your, I'm not scouting deer. I'm looking at the water. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the vegetation, stuff like that. I'm not trying to look for deer with a drone. I'm no. looking at everything else. Um, making sure that I'm not going to go in there and die or something. So. Um, well, good deal, man. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to sit there Sunday and hopefully, you know, I've got, a lot of boxes checked on this place and, you know, to kind of give people an idea, we're looking at nearly, I mean, if I were to put in in one lot and go to the other, it's going to be like 13 miles of kayaking to get there. Uh, well, to, to get to the spot and then get out. Um, so you, like it's a day commitment and it is very, very <laughs> difficult. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that's discouraged people from ever going in there this year at all. Um, And if not very, very little. And uh, you know, that mixed with the things that I'm seeing, it could be in the wind that we have. It could be a a hell of a a spot. So we'll see. Um, I'll keep you guys updated. That said, uh, I am seven sits in and have two bucks uh, and two does. Yeah, um, you could technically say eight sits, but the eighth one I just took my father-in-law out, and I didn't take a bow, but yeah. he a deer. Um, we got him a deer, so uh, it's been a good year. So hell yeah, it has, man. You've been, you've been uh you've been really efficient, really on one and efficient, and th- that's you know that that's the biggest piece of it. Uh, hunt smarter, not harder. Yep. Yeah. I, I've learned this year that scouting means more than the hunting because the hunting, you know, when you're sitting in a tree, if you're not in the right spot, you're just wasting time. So you might as well scout and not waste your time. You know, you learn more and you put yourself in position. So, um, well, it's, it's almost like, uh, it's like when people get asked the questions like, well, do you spend money on the gun or do you spend money on the optics? And the guys who, who are really like, High end hunt, like who who know what they're doing. They're like you spend the money on the optics every, every single time. time. Every they, they time. Said, they said the the gun the gun's important, but the better the optics you have, the clearer your shots are going to be, and the more yep. accurate you're going to be overall yep. with everything. Yep, the optics should cost as much or more than the gun easily, um, and it just it really boils down to you know it's funny because as this stuff has come, you know, you start getting messages and a lot of questions and 
people want to know where you're at or have you tell mm-hmm. them where to go. And it's like, man, first off, <clears throat> the way I'm hunting a spot versus the way somebody else is, the way they're going to access it. Like there is a, there is a crap load of thought that's going into it. And there's a, there's a crap load of thought into the reasoning why I'm even there. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into how you're going to get there and why I want to be there because there's no people and because there's the right food and the bedding and all that, like you can't just tell somebody, Hey, this is a good spot or whatever. No. And even if you send them to a spot that, you know, they're probably not going to access it right or hunt it right or, you know, whatever. So um, hunting on the wrong wind or sit in the wrong spot on the right wind or there's just so many factors. And it's not that, you know, again, I don't say that to sound arrogant or anything. It's just, I think if people got out, um, you know, I'm no super genius by any freaking means, but if they got out more and learned some of this stuff, they would see really quickly like, Oh wow. Yeah. Like I I go back now. I'm like, how the hell did I ever kill these bucks? How, what the hell was I doing? I got lucky. Like I can't even imagine um, truly winning the lottery. So uh, yeah. Um, I'm feeling pretty good right now though. I'm, I'm pretty confident about Indiana. So I'll probably not see a damn deer all day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, let's hope that's not the case, man. Let's hope that you go over there and you smoke a big one and, and that you uh that you pull off the tri-state trifecta that'll be that'll be pretty badass man um so i guess we can you know talk about our concluders um yeah i've been seeing a lot of people like i said kind of bitch about the weather and um it seems like people have trouble staying focused and i can relate to that uh but in a different way i think it's very easy to complain and whether it's weather or a hill or briars, God, those briars the other day were just nothing. Terrible. Oh God, dude, you should see my legs. They're, they're shredded. But, um, I learned, you know, one of the reasons that makes these places good. I talked to Zach Kaiser and he's like, I just can't handle the people. I'm like, bro, I ain't seen any, I ain't seen a human being. Yeah. You know, I saw the one dude on opening day on private. Yep. But I was on public. He wasn't on the public. Right. I haven't seen a human being on public land all year. I saw that guy on private and I saw Bruce on his own private farm. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't seen anybody else. I haven't heard anybody else. uh, And it's been great. But I told myself, I I was laughing the other day, actually, because I was like, you know, you bitch a lot and complain a lot, even when you're by yourself, kind of having like a (laughs) mental coming to Jesus here. And I said, if I'm not bitching and complaining, it's probably too damn easy to get to and not worth going to in the first place. And so that's like my new (laughs) mantra now. Um, So, you know, things get tough. Situations come up like, you know, lots of rain or heat or whatever. And sometimes, you know, maybe it's that you're not going to be able to get out of work on time and you're going to shoot to a spot and have 40 minutes right. to sit on a bucket just inside corn. Do it. Freaking mm-hmm. put yourself, do anything you can to get out there and put yourself into position for something. It might not be the big adventure you want or, you know, how you drew it up, <clears throat> but it might put a deer on the wall or at the very least a doe in the freezer or something. Yep. Yep. Um so utilize what you got and, uh, you know, I'll kind of piggyback off my, my hero, my mentor, if you will, old Jake, uh, figure out what your game is and stick to your strengths and make them better. Like if you're really good in the Hills or whatever, which I don't want to be strong in the Hills. I want to be strong in the Hills and in flatland and marsh cut. Like I want to learn all this stuff. I'm obsessed with it, but not everybody has that opportunity. So if it's hilly where you live, man, go learn that shit and master it. Become obsessed with it and literally document everything and just learn it all as much as you can. Pay attention to every detail about everything, and I bet you start throwing down more deer. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are great concluders. You know, the 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 one that uh, 
you bring up the uh, like the part where you're bitching and complaining about stuff the story that cam haynes tells about him and his buddy um roy roy when they went camping for the first time on a, i think it was like their first elk hunt and it was like pissing rain and it was freezing cold and he looks at roy and he's like Are you having fun he goes no he goes but when we kill one and we come back we're going to be the ones who had fun and they're not yep. and like there, there's a certain level of reality that like and a certain level of suffering that goes along with that kind of stuff where you you know that it makes it all worth it in in the end. Yeah, that that, that that's the big part of it. <clears throat> but it's, isn't it odd how like you can crave that mm-hmm. to suffer to not mm-hmm. be comfortable? And it at the you know the entire time I'm like, this is stupid. You're an idiot. <laughs> you could be in bed. You know, every every single time I'm bitching, even in my mind, Yep. you know, screaming cuss words out loud, whatever. And then it all comes together or or it doesn't, you know, but at, yeah. at the end of the day, you get home, you think, man, I really, you know, me and Josh put in 10 miles and crazy elevation change and didn't see a bird. Mm-hmm. But I got home and the next day my legs were all tight and everything. And I thought. What a badass day. You know, yeah, we laid it all out there. I worked hard. So, yep. So, that, that would be my concluder is, uh, well, my first concluder always is if you have the ability uh, to get somebody in the outdoors, please do so. This, the second thing I would say in terms of, you know, a concluder with the seasons being what they are and coming up is, Allow yourself to be uncomfortable. And as same as I talked about last time, try something new, but take your strengths and apply them to the, to it. You know, if you know you're good at something, read up on it, learn about it, watch a YouTube video and try it. If it doesn't work, okay. You know, it's not the end of the world and it doesn't mean that you're a failure or anything along those lines. Just means that that might not be what's best for you. But give it a good go. Don't just, you know, half-ass it and say, well, try my best. Uh, you know, put, put it put in the work, go and try it, and, you know, do better. You know, Will, we, we talked about this. <clears throat> um, well, this happened since last time. Will fished for three days and threw, was throwing that big musky bait for three straight days. And kind of, like you said, contemplating life. Like, I could be doing something else right now. And then all of a sudden, that fish came up and smoked that bait. And he's got a personal best muskie uh, for the state. So, yep. you know, it, it's it's hard, it's hard to beat moments like that. And you don't think of it. And when people say, like, well, why do you hunt or why do you fish? It's like, well, because of that. Like, like, it, like you get such an, an emotional like amount of jubilation out of that stuff. And if you don't do it, you'll never know it. Yep. So on that, on that note, this has been fueled by the outdoors. We've been your host, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert, and we will talk at you guys later. Bye. Peace.